Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. The early bird gets the worm, but this vegetarian is constantly late. In life, you can be nice or honest. And honestly, I'm not that nice. (laughs) I love when someone joins AG, also known as the People's People's Couch, and just kills it with a tagline. I am already, I feel very I feel very zen. I feel very relaxed, which as of 23 minutes ago was a complete fucking lie. But you guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 237. And I am so excited to be joined by a new guest co-host on the People's People's Couch. You know him as an actor, producer, and director. Check out the films he produced and starred in, like A Very Sordid Wedding and Southern Baptist Sissies, both streaming on Amazon. And the first film he produced, Blues for Willa Dean, starring some emerging up-and-coming talent. And we want to support those new voices in Hollywood beginning their journey. Octavia Spencer and Beth Grant is just now available on iTunes and Amazon. And of course, he was all of our favorite person on the people's couch. Welcome to Andy's Girls, Emerson Collins. How Uh, are you? uh, I am so excited. (laughs) to be here I've joked you know it's I've fallen deeper and deeper into the greater Bravo cinematic universe in the last Mm. year because of the lockdown and life and free time Mm -hmm. but like you launched all of it for everybody (laughs) I mean you are the original 237 I mean my lord carrying half the network on your back (laughs) 
And I'm so excited to be here. From the people's couch to the people's people's couch, which is also Ken. what I call the one in my living room where I sit do and watch you? television and still talk to it and just no one watches me do that. Oh my God. Listen, first off, thank you so much. Um, <laughs> say it again for the people in the back. Uh-huh. Uh, number ch- <laughs> Amen. Uh, number two, so I have so many questions for you. First off, have you heard, first off, how are you today? Uh, fine enough. You know, I've decided in life, I'm answering that question for real when people ask. Mm. So if you don't want to know, like, don't ask. You know, I've had people reach out to me in the most loveliest and generous of ways saying, like, how are you? How are you doing? And I compartmentalize it and translate it in my head with how are you doing today? Yes. Because how I'm doing in general yeah. could be similar to how I'm feeling today. It's probably not. And I do also think I am not probably as brave as you are with like truly giving the answer that people may or may not want like when people say how are you doing today they're saying I'm about to ask you for something something, so here's the filler before I do yes but I think that's really impressive to be like this is how I'm actually doing let's normalize talking about the moments when we're maybe not doing great And it's to that, right? I feel like one of the things we're learning the most, what I'm trying to learn and bring and share Mm -hmm. and because socials and life and everything's so weird is like, who do you really like? Who do you really want to share with? And it's okay to say like, I'm not great, but I can still help you with whatever you need. Like they're all of the levels of that instead of like performative sunshine. Mm -hmm. But I'm great because I'm so excited to do this. (laughs) (laughs) That's the real honest answer. I mean, I feel like my honest answer has been, will, would be like today has been very chaotic and stressful, but I truly just rewatched Potomac. Yes. Took a bone. My favorite thing to do is like a double, triple shower a day. You know, you just got to wipe, cleanse yourself of New York City, number one, but it's also so good for your mental health. Just like lukewarm showers. Like, (laughs) and I just am like so excited to talk to you. I have to say, I have so, I have so many questions for you. First off, have you heard the news that the people's couch is maybe coming back in some iteration? I have been sent the screen cap of the casting notice an excessive number of times. <laughs> yes. the It's funny also because we just did our very first appearance on Watch What Happens Live, which is like a personal milestone yes. that was thrilling beyond belief and hysterical because we had nothing to pr- promote. Our show's been off the mm. air for four years. Like we did four seasons 57 episodes, I counted once, we watched like 450 different television shows, but like we are dead, like we are, you know, it is not coming back, Our, we are not, and they have not uh, checked with my people, and by my people I mean the imaginary <laughs> assistant that I use to answer emails at bookingemersoncollins at gmail.com, uh, has not been reached out to yet about a return appearance. So wow. I have no idea. I don't How know who's doing it. I didn't, I didn't even see if it's our production company or if they're doing something totally new and different, like when they tried Juniors for a minute or when the Shaws joined us. What do you think uh, What do you think about the fact that it's coming back? I mean, as a viewer now and not potentially a participant. I think it's great. I, the, my real honest, right, and, you know, the stuff you said before, my real job is being a producer and trying to be an actress. Mm-hmm. Um, and my producer brain says... 
it was such a a brilliant idea that when we were first pitched it, I thought this could be the end of entertainment. Like, congratulations, mm-hmm. we might have reached the bottom of the barrel that we're going to watch people watch television, this inception, um, and also might ruin our careers, but whatever. Mm. But it turned out to be such a joyful experience. Like, live tweeting that show every week was such a joy with the people who did, the kind of people... I was traveling with the last movie I pr- pr- produced... Uh, during the fourth season and it got stopped in airports everywhere and it was always lovely mm. people. You know, like some shows have fans that are <gasps> a little terrifying. Like we, we, it was always the most delightful people who clearly watch TV the way we all do where it's like, oh, I like love it, but I hate it and I like laugh and also I like aspire. Like the full mix of how we genuinely watch TV together that it managed to capture. Um, and so it was so joyful. And if they find a way to do it again, I know that there's definitely an audience for it. I mean, let's be honest. We were brilliant. Uh, but yes. we are not the only people who could say funny things watching television. So if it's time for a new generation, you know, pass the remote, so to speak. And how did that come together? How did the three of you sort of assemble yourselves? Was it because of your background and the fact that you were Hollywood players? Is that how they kind of found you? Or what was the what was the impetus for this? The, the casting. Scott on ours was up mm-hmm. for a millionaire matchmaker. Uh <gasps> To be one of, like, the gay assistant or whatever that I think David Cruz... I don't remember if it was before or after, but he was in consideration for that and decided not to go that direction. But the same casting directors came and said, we're working on this new thing. Do you have any friends you watch television with? And he was like, yes. Uh, And so we did a Zoom interview all together with casting. Scott fully, like, set up... Like, now we've all become experts at at at-home studio filming... You know, taking mm. the, the shade off the lamp and pointing it towards you, and it's a nice, warm, amber glow. Uh, but this was way before that, and Scott fully turned his apartment into an at-home studio, and we did an interview. Moved to the next round, and they came over and set up the cameras by the TV the, the way it would become our setup, and put on a DVD of, like, clips of TV shows and had us do the mm. same thing, just sort of watch and talk along. Um, they did come out at one point and say, you don't have to talk the whole time. We were like, no, that's... <laughs> I mean... <laughs> We're going to serve you performance. I don't know what you're talking about. And uh, so we did those rounds uh, before they set the groups for the initial three episode trial run. And then they changed and added the Xenos, you know, for the first full season. Um, I do know, and I've said a couple of times, there were three groups likely in consideration for our spot, so to speak. One of the others was Ben and Ronnie from Watch What Crappens. Oh, my God. It's actually how Ronnie and I met and became friends, because on Twitter, like, as we premiered, he was like, oh, I see. They picked the stereotypical West Hollywood homos for our spot. (laughs) And that was how we met, and I became obsessed with them. And then the other was drag queens. Willem, Detox, and Vicky Vox were in the running as well. So they were definitely I'm sure Willem took that well. I'm sure. Well, it's funny, because Willem was in my movie, Southern Baptist Sissies, that you can stream. (gasps) Uh... That also starred Leslie Jordan that I produced, and that's how Willem and I met. So we'd been friends for ever now. And but so we talked oh about it, and he was like, God. I think we would have gotten it, except one of us was late. I said, oh. <laughs> I said, sorry. Oh my God, that's incredible. Yeah. But it was very funny and random, and it really was. I was in this weird in-between uh moment because it was we had just finished shooting Southern Baptist Sissies, that movie, mm. earlier that year. And in fact, when the first episode of The People's Couch aired, I was at this Seattle queer film festival, Twist, 
live tweeting from outside the screening of my oh movie my for the first episode. Like, I don't know. I'm trying this other thing and we'll see what happens. That has to be a somewhat chaotic but also blissed out experience. Yes. You know, you know? I was really, really fortunate because like I was. I was touring film festivals with that film during the first season. And then during the fourth season, my most recent film, A Very Sort of Wedding, that my writing work husband, Del Shores, created Sorted Lives. It's a big Southern gay franchise. We filmed the sequel to that in Winnipeg. And I was mm. I was the sole producer of the film with a crew of 100 in Winnipeg flying back oh on Saturdays God. to shoot The People's Couch all night Saturday night. Because, spoiler alert, we obviously just changed clothes and shot it all at once. We did not shoot seven nights a week. Um, and then flying back to Winnipeg to run the movie set. So it was very much a princess problem. Uh, but, like, actually texting with my crew on a filming day, like, from inside, like, watching, you know, Scandal or something. I was like, this is a princess life. I'm not complaining. I was very, very fortunate. I mean, and speaking of fortunate, how fortunate were all of us to have that show as viewers? Because it was one of those shows where initially I heard about it and I was like, okay, so this is where we're at. Uh, Garbage. We're going to watch people, watch TV. There is nothing to me that's like, I would just, I'm okay just watching the TV and then like maybe watching myself in a mirror watching it. I don't know. Like that's my inception. Like, and then I started to watch the show and I was just immediately hooked because listen, the casting was fantastic. And it also was genuinely so entertaining so I'm watching I want to say I'm watching people watch like Game of Thrones which I never watched yep. but I was fascinated by watching people watch the, these yes. shows that I hadn't seen I just loved it the number of people that would say things like I don't watch this show but I loved watching you all watch it because it's like in the zeitgeist and now I kind of know what's happening or that would say I started watching a show because of what you all said while watching that show uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, influencers right before that term became a thing. I mean, I completely agree. And also speaking of influence, so you have all of these different vehicles in which to share your opinion. Is there a show, a moment, a thing that has happened since the People's Couch has been off the air recently or not where you have felt like, fuck, I wish somebody was filming this right now. I need to talk at length or whatever about this moment, this feud, this fight, this what conversation? Is there anything that pops out? The big the big one, honestly, is that we didn't have the people's couch when the whole world watched Tiger King at the beginning of the lockdown. Mm. Like, to hear what Julie and Brandy or the Zenos had to say or even the Egbers in that bed together, like, that, mo- that big of a zeitgeist moment and the absurdity of that and this, like, weird southern gay man that's also, like, where I come from and my people, embarrassingly, and whatnot, you know, that the, the, re- the reactions to that, I feel like, would have been particularly exceptional across the board. Do you remember when we were all... That feels like... A hundred years ago. 25 years it was. ago. That exactly I don't was. even... I actually don't even remember. And I remember people started watching it and they're like, are you watching it? And I said, no, I'm not watching a documentary about some guy and like tigers and thinking he's the shit. And then I was like, okay, I'll give it two seconds. And then of course I watched it. I think all at once, maybe I truly, cause it's been so long ago. I don't remember. I'm convinced that Joe exotic gets out of prison in like six months. Like that his 20, his 22 years. Okay. Like I also do an LGBT news podcast, by the way, Dell and I do. Mm -hmm. We started it in 2014 but anyway we picked it back up in the pandemic so i'm always obsessed with queer news 
Joe Exotic's husband already has a new boyfriend. Dylan, Dylan has yes, has that new boyfriend. Super cute. And also, Joe Exotic tried so hard to get a pardon from the former president. They like drove a bus to D.C. to campaign for that. And at that, I was like, I just have to admire. I have to admire the like delusional fortitude to be like, you know what? The world should stop. So this president, <laughs> I identify. We're so this redneck homosexual with his illegal giant cats. And then also just the poor journey of what not not Carol Baskin and Cameo. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, it's just the gift that keeps on giving. Did you see the cameo of Carol Baskin talking about free Britney long before the conservatorship stuff started? I mean no. Yes, she was like, I want people out of every kind of cage. Literal, metaphorical. I'm surprised she wasn't at the border <laughs> protesting. You know, like any kind of cage, no one should be in it. Wow, that is, I mean, I guess team care. I was kind of like team, let's find out what happened to her former husband. Questions. But I, you know, Questions. Season two. I don't think she's interested in filming again. <laughs> but not. she did get on Dancing with the Stars oh, and God bless didn't her. didn't she? You know, I mean, everyone should try anything, I guess. <laughs> That's my reaction to that. I made a decision sometime after the People's Couch. To not say negative things in public anymore mm. as much as possible. And then something like Carol Baskin on Dancing with the Stars happens. And I'm like, it's a good thing we don't cheat the people's couch anymore. Because I would not <laughs> be able to not say. Like, ma'am, do not take this opportunity. We should all say no to certain things. Well, that also raises the question. I mean, so aside from what you may or may not say on a public forum, has your position as a bravo viewer nay bravo talent how has being on the people's couch changed the ways that you watch bravo if at all it's funny or tv in general that really didn't you know there was an element of it really was like look we're getting paid three dollars in a roll of duct tape like i'm not thinking hard about Mm. this i'm gonna sit down (laughs) and if i have something to say i'll say it and if not because when you watch the show, here's like a four-minute clip package on this week's The Walking Dead. Spoiler alert, that was the one that I always was like, can we please not watch The Walking Dead? I'm not interested oh in that show until they are running. If you can escape the villain by moving at a medium mall walk pace, that is not terrifying to me. And they don't talk. Oh if your villains can't do a monologue, like, what are we doing here? I'm bored. Vampires all night long. Zombies? Why bother? Anyway, but I digress. <laughs> Uh, where, where, what was I talking about before I got lost on Um, your experiences oh, watching yes. Bravo or TV. But so it really was just really the actual reactions of things. And so it didn't change that so much. I mean, I did learn, uh, it did teach me lessons about like not wanting to be mean about people. You know, there are some earlier mm. things that I would regret, that I regret, that I would say differently, that I sort of took as a lesson in life of like, I will make fun of a bigot all day long. You know, people that mm-hmm. are horrible. But, like, a general person that didn't sign up, like, I don't need to have a comment about that person. You know, there's a difference between making fun of the Long Island medium who's, like, the name of her show and you get what you get. That's mm-hmm. that's what I mean, sort of threading that needle. But, look, if you sign the contract and you're there to be a reality TV personality, you know, all bets are off. You get what you get. Did you hear from anyone who was like, um, hey, cool, Susie TV star, I just wanted to slide into your DMs and let you know I heard what you said not, about ER. Not, not, not personally. ER. Every, every once in a while there'd be somebody who said, I can't believe that you didn't love this thing or that. But I have a big thing. Mm. My soapbox about reality TV is, look, we don't know these people. We don't. So, like, I am not ending friendships over, like, our disagreement over Carol and Bethany or, you know, whatever it mm-hmm. is. Like, it is not that deep. 
you know, the real issues that we're seeing now on the show, that's Mm -hmm. very different. When you're talking about actual social issues that impact all of us, I think that's fundamentally different. But if it's just who's right or wrong in a random fight, we should be able to disagree passionately about it and then go out to lunch. Um, sidebar, yes. who's side Bethany versus Carol? Uh, okay. Where were we? Where, this do we is the great, Where do we land that plane? This is the great trauma in my household. Because oh, yeah. in life, I am a Bethany. Like, for better mm-hmm. or for worse. Like, mm-hmm. when you we look at our central truths, I am closest to her. And Blake is a Carol, is a Carol, is a Carol. You know, like, mm-hmm. I can barely be bothered to be here. I care more about the Kennedys. Like, I, you know, <laughs> Blake is a Carol. So when all that happened, it was hysterical because I was like, this is what it would look like if we were getting close to a relationship-ending fight. This is how it would go down. I really, I was like, ugh. And my real answer is, at, at different points, they were both wrong, and that's what made it, like, fun and good. And I mourned mm-hmm. a little bit for them because I felt like there was a real friendship there, and Bethany doesn't know how to have very many real f- women friends. And then Carol got exhausted by her, and so Carol was right. But then by the mm-hmm. time we landed at the reunion and Carol hit hard on so many things that weren't about the friendship thing. I was like, oh, you didn't win the reunion the way you could have. You know, it was just, I don't know. It was when I ended sad because I sort of found their friendship aspirational. I feel like in the idea of not like the morality of it all, but sort of based on the narrative we were seeing and looking kind of in between the lines, 100% team Carol. But Carol thought that she could win the fight, yes. the argument, the public favor based on her receipts or data. She was thinking about it as a journalist. Yeah. And Bethany will always triumph, aside from HBO Max, <laughs> on reality TV. Yes. I mean, she understands the ways in which to, regardless of whether, and I do believe that Bethany believed everything she said, right. but I also think but that doesn't make she it has right. that talent. Yes. Right. And she has that talent. She knows what to do. And I'm sure it didn't hurt her relationship with Andy at the time. And it came together where you saw Carol become not undone, but I would say shut down during the reunion in a way where I wished she had come alive a little bit in a different kind of way. But that's also probably why she was not long for New York. Uh, Yes, for the concept of reality TV. Like, she worked by being, Mm -hmm. like, you know, the Eileen, the, like, non-confrontational, the fun one. But she made a mistake. You know, all of us at this point could teach reunion classes that they should all Mm -hmm. take from us. Because she made the cardinal mistake of fighting the fight before we got to it. You know, like... She went mm. super hard in arguments that weren't about her and Bethany. And so it was like, you're, that's too, you're doing too much right now. Save that mm-hmm. for when you get to that. So by the time we got to it, it was like, you've done the most. Because it's an eight-hour day, 12-hour day. You can't fight the end fight when we're just doing the like, remember that time we couldn't decide whose room we were going to sleep in? You know, mm-hmm. you lose the reunion by fighting your battle at the wrong time. I also think that I've still, I have not yet gotten over her announcement that she was leaving, which I want to say came out on People or wherever, definitely before the reunion aired. I forget where we were with the finale, but before the reunion aired, which was a huge WTF because that happens so rarely. For, you know, regardless of when the decisions are actually made, the announcement sort of for everyone's benefit typically happens after the reunion, maybe even immediately following. Yes. 
but it let out some of the air in the tires yeah. by but also like puts in, putting some oxygen and something in the back yeah. because it felt like okay well now we know it's a complete shit show and something went down and i wonder if people who were in the middle heard that she was leaving and just subconsciously were like well, am I really gonna like listen that intently and trying to defend someone who's already told us she's like gone for good? Yes. Or is at least leaving at this moment. I mean, I I think that helped stack the deck. It does. In Bethany's favor. Because you can't help but like be swayed by that because ultimately we're all invested in the show. I mean, because like I don't really care about your life. I don't. Like so I care about yeah. like what I see of it on the show because that's my entertainment. It's my soap opera. But yeah, so I'm invested in the longevity aspect. So you can't help but sort of lean towards the cast uh, as they are or aren't. But also that was such a good representation of like, Carol really was the like, I don't care. I'm doing this while it's fun mm-hmm. and then I'm out. Because at the end of the day, I'm in proximity to American royalty and this is silly. And that's so but different. So it's so different, but also you're participating in this silliness. So how can you tell? It's like... One thing, and she did this so well, where you're a little bit of the outsider, a little bit of the great chorus, a little bit of like watching the story take place and in sort of informing us of your sight, uh, of your thinking about what you're watching in real time. And then when the confessionals are being recorded and it's quite another when you are trying to navigate that while also trying to win an argument with like all of the cameras on you and that other person, your former BFF, it's just so difficult to navigate. I don't know anyone who would have been able to come out on top, but that might have been like the, the goal, her goal maybe actually wasn't that because she was constantly pushing against the idea of like, I don't like this. I don't want to do what, it requires at this moment and it's like that kind of tension just in yourself like when you're like navigating your own boundaries and opinions and thoughts just about the production but you're also trying to like win a fight I mean that is very tough well it's where across everything we always see whenever a real relationship and by real I mean like you text each other in the off season you are actual friends Mm -hmm. whenever there's like ending level drama in a real relationship nobody wins you know neither of them wins unless one of you decides i'm giving up this relationship to win the tv show i always go back to like nini and cynthia when nini made the Mm. comment about peter that was like that was the real source of everything that came after it and that was about a real friendship and those always make me a little bit sad because, like, I rooted for Bethany and Carol. You know, when they were Tweedledee and Tweedledumming yeah. their way through the background of, like, Jules's house and all of that, like, there was such a, mm. a joy. You know, she brought out a joy in Bethany that across mm-hmm. all the seasons, it was kind of the only place we saw it. And it's why it made me sad for them, because I think, ironically, Bethany pushed Carol away by holding so tightly to a friendship she cared about. Mm. And then Carol got pissed watching Bethany do the television show things. And it became about the TV show at the end. You know, it was like, I know what you're saying in the interviews. I watched what you said. And that's not, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's like when you argue with a friend or lover in real life, where you start fighting about how you're fighting, not about what, not, not what caused the fight. It, it starts to feel like that for me. I love listening to you talk. This is <laughs> wonderful. I any and any opportunity, by the way, to talk about Bethany versus Carol is like my safe space. Yes, and I do love it because I also 
it's when I think of them and when I think of Beth, it feels like Bethany does not. Bethany's friendship contract is like, we are friends forever, XOXO. Yeah. No matter what I do, we are friends with a capital, like caps lock friendship yes. to Bethany, where if I need you, you're there because I would do the same in your place. It just so happens that like nobody asks me to do anywhere near as much as I ask of other people, yes. but I would do it. I haven't been asked, but I'm telling you right now, I am that girl, yeah. even though I haven't been asked. Yes. And when I look at their relationship, it's so difficult. I mean, have you had, oh, I've had these relationships where it's like someone is asking for too much and maybe you do, you do it, you do it, you do it. And then at a certain point, you're like, you know what? I think my boundary is understanding that I don't need to be this person's vessel yeah. anymore. Yeah. And it feels like Carol came to that realization and because her instinct is like being very quiet, yep. walking away, yep. and she was also dealing with some other shit in L.A., like she that's her her idea is taking a, a, a step back, which can feel like a defeat if you are in Bethany's role. But it is also like a you either, you know, we're not all great at communicating. I know I'm at the top of that list especially when it's like with that with those kind when anything boundary related yeah. I'm like no I'm not going to stand up for myself but with the Carol and Bethany stuff it's like Carol didn't want to have that conversation and I don't know that Bethany would have understood the language even if it was said and as a result, there was like nothing else to do but explode. Yeah, well, because Bethany's a fight through it person. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not a, I'm a, like, you can't yell. Uh, like, there's an, like, in my life, that doesn't. Flight, immediately flight. It's, I'm immediate flight. I am a, if you get me to yell, there's no recovery. Like, there is nothing. Mm -hmm. It is world ending. You know, I'm a one, two, 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 three, mm -hmm. three. When I'm at a three, you should be paying attention. And then I'll mm -hmm. two, two, two. People that are like one, 11, 47, three, one is anathema to like my engagement, mm -hmm. the way that I can communicate. But Bethany is a fight through the thing. So if you pull back, it's a reach through the text messages to pull you back in. Because for that kind of persona, there's an element of if we're still talking, it's still recoverable, even if it mm -hmm. isn't for the other person. I'm totally the same way. And also, if someone comes at me at an 11, I don't care if you love me. I don't care if I'm your favorite person. I cannot accept. I am so fr genuinely so frightened in that moment. I cannot, if I, I will do whatever you want just so to that be done. this is this no stops. more. And I've had people in my life who are like, oh no, that's just like my love language is like, I will fight with people and I'll be loud. And, and at first I have been that person that's like, okay, that sounds great. Like, we're going to just keep doing what you're used to doing. What you <laughs> like. We'll do it your way. Super unsafe. Uh -huh. Yeah. Even though it makes me feel unsafe <laughs> and uncomfortable. That sounds like great. Thank you for communicating. But also I do not want to do that. Yeah. It's like triggering and upsetting yeah. and I don't want to do it. And for some people, it is just as simple as like the raising of the voice. Yeah, it is. I'm very much that. And it's funny because pulling it even meta I always find it interesting in like how, who we identify in arguments, you know, as mm. we watch as viewers, sometimes we're mm. identifying with their side of the argument, who is right and wrong. And sometimes we're identifying with the communication style, you know, mm. the Carol Bethany thing. I, a lot of that was very interesting because people I love who were like, Carol, Carol, Carol. And I'm like, yes, I know and Bethany's wrong, but I see what she's trying to communicate badly 100%, is this, you know, 100%. where you can have good discussions that are fun. 
But, like, then the internet lost its mind. And, like, for the first time since the earliest Teresa fans, you know, Mm. the fandom became a not fun place to be. You know, it's like, how are we screaming at each other in caps locks about a relationship none of us are a part of? Like, we should all breathe. I mean, when it comes to, you know, how do you spend your time outside of watching the show as a member of the Bravo community? I feel like there's the watching the show, talking about the show, recapping the show. Then there's the following the women and commenting on what they're doing in real time, IG stories or maybe production or something else. And then there's the actual interpersonal communications within the fandom. And it's sometimes the latter that freaks me out the most because the Bethany and Carol... I have genuinely, no joke, like forgotten as I think like a, a, a mechanism yes. of self-care. Yes. But I, I do believe you because I remember recording episodes and I was psycho during that like super team care. And I'm a former Bethany super stan apologist and I'm in recovery and I appreciate your understanding about yep. that. And like I still do connect with her, but I'm so disappointed by her and choices that she's made and the fact that she's in some ways a celebrity chef and refuses to tag restaurants. But God forbid anybody drank skinny girl Without, and didn't see the bottle. Yes. There's like a lot of I have a very complicated dynamic yes. in my imaginary recovering best friendship with Bethany. Yep. But there are certain moments the Bethany V. Carroll LVP versus every anybody that. else. Potomac last season, which hopefully we'll never see again. Yes. That was yes. wildly yes. insane. Yes. It was those the and Candace and Monique, like that was a lot, but like the Bethany and Carol, the original tree huggers, and the Lisa Vanderpump, Lucy, Lucy, Apple Juicy, bonkers. And I say, and it's funny because I come to all of those with very strong opinions. I mean, I was definitely mm-hmm. a Lisa Vanderpump superstan. You know, mm-hmm. like the wit. I am very drawn to the people I know, like the drag queens that I love, the talking. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's not that different from this, really. Like people that are quippy <laughs> in their interviews hold my mm-hmm. heart the most. Like if you are self-aware enough to laugh at yourself and other people, like if you're only laughing at other people, that's different. But if you also make jokes at yourself, which Lisa did well, Bethany always did well, um, I am very much drawn to those people. But like then the Lisa Vanderpump, like and the world fell out and everyone, I was like, we no, we are not involved in this. Why is everyone not well, okay? I also feel like the LVP of it all, it's like, what's the difference between being vulnerable and humble? Because with the Lisa stuff, it felt like a little bit of a combination of the two. Lisa, who I really, I would find it surprising if people who didn't love her wouldn't at least admit that she is one of uh, one of a few reasons why Housewives has exploded in the way that it did. Like yes. she is in a special yes. group. I would put LVP. I mean, obviously, like Nini's Bethany, like right Nini, up there at the top. Absolutely, Bethany, Nini, Vicky, LVP. There are certain. <laughs> there are. I've got some eyes there. There, are, you're a future um, governor's wife or whatever. I, I can't Nini. stop. Um, I would rather have Caitlyn Jenner than Vicky Gunvalson be the first lady of California. <laughs> I swear, if it came down to those two, I would put rocks in my pockets and walk into the ocean. I am definitely in the camp of like Orange County <laughs> desperately needed Vicky to be gone. Anyway. I mean, yeah, I hear you. I totally hear you. Um, but with the LVP of it all, it's like, yes, we all understand the power, the talent that she has. And I do understand the argument of like these women were not sympathetic to what she was going through at the time. I totally hear that perspective. I also think at the end of the day, regardless of who leaked what to Raider <laughs> Online about this fucking renamed dog, yes. 
the the problem for the women was that they had been putting up with or rather yes. being put under by behind the scenes yes. machinations that we saw with the Camille flashback and everything else where people were like this is the the tip for us this is like our trigger is this stupid fucking and i you know die for a dog die, love a dog love yes love all of dogs. course but like this stupid fucking dog is setting everything off because finally maybe there's an actual example and maybe this is the time for us being like you have never admitted to anything when it comes to this kind of stuff at least admit to that yes. and because lisa was too afraid genuinely or felt like because i think for lisa accountability is to her a great form of vulnerability and maybe there's an element there of like the tv of it all yes. and to me watching as an outsider I'm thinking like this is just one little moment to just humble yourself for two seconds. Yes. Just like it, just get behind this in the ways that these other women are, but it just couldn't happen. Well, it's also like because like a, a huge Lisa Vanderpump fan, like from day mm. one. But as all of that was occurring, the group of people who couldn't acknowledge that Lisa Vanderpump has clearly been manipulative through the course of the journey of Beverly Hills. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, bef and I mean, before they started showing the, the scenes we'd never seen, I go all the way back to when Brandy Glanville drunkenly in Palm Springs basically said, can we stop planning so much that was about those magazines? Like, was mm -hmm. said on camera. I was like, y'all. We don't even have to decide who did the thing about the dog right now. But if you can't admit that she's definitely been manipulative as producing the show from her chair in the center square, what are we doing? Like, to me, that's a baseline viewer level. What show are we all watching disagreement? And it's not a bad thing. No, it's I, been I great for the show. And I get the perspective of like, I can't admit to this because this is too connected to the power that I have on the show with the members of the cast or genuinely I am not that person. I'm not going to take one for the team, even if the team is truly like me myself and I, and she just couldn't do it. And it was so fascinating to me. I was one of those people who like really until past the point where people were like, I'm over this. I was actually still invested. Oh, same all the way through. Right. Yeah. Because well, maybe not all the way I through, was. but like, and I love that. For, I love that journey for you. I just felt like the, the tension with Kyle, who seemed to be pleading with Lisa, where she's like, please just do this yes. one thing. You don't even have to say to any of the other shit that's coming up. I'm trying to help I'm helping you. But I'm you. also yes. trying to help us. And the show. Like ourselves and as friends and the show. Like, we don't need this to be the thing. But in order for that to not happen, you do need to take responsibility for something. But then it's like, is this the house of cards? Well, I mean, I if think Lisa's head, why would she? It is that. Because the problem is, if you pull the thread, if you want to destroy my sweater, pull this thread as I walk away. Mm. You know, it unravels mm -hmm. the whole thing. Because there is, the. it is the irony that, like, Teddy, who so many people found so boring Ugh. for her whole journey, was the instigation of the, like exit of Lisa Vanderpump because she just wouldn't let it go because she was like wait wait I'm not gonna look like the only fool here like I'll say my thing and then you say your thing and she was like what thing and then we did 12 episodes because she wouldn't just say oh my thing I did a thing too the the inability 
to to give a well-placed and well-timed apology across the housewives universe Mm -hmm. is the most fascinating thing to me and i guess because of my like life personal journey uh, as a as a post-adolescent you know it's hard to admit you're wrong and be like i'm sorry but i have it's something i worked really hard on being able to say easily you're right that was wrong i'm sorry for little things you know so they don't become big things and there's Mm -hmm. so often where i think you could destroy the next two hours of this episode, this reunion, whatever, by going, you know what? You're right. And I sincerely apologize. And stating the reasons and what you're going to do different and just tie a big bow on it and then go, well, now what? You can't scream at me now. You know, like, there's such a win in apologizing when you do it right and mean it, obviously. How much of that, though, that little moment, that little step, which we understand is so loaded in Lisa's mind and frankly, for some understandable reasons, how much of that objection to this, regardless of how she felt about what she did, blah, 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 is because it was specifically Teddy, where you were like, I am an OG. Oh, 100%. created this universe. I am diamonds and rosé and this fucking horseback riding app person about it it was about whatever the great betrayal of the others not lining up behind her because that's the rule right you know all the way down to the the quote-unquote unwritten rules of don't stand between an og and a camera like the the rules that aren't rules (laughs) well i don't remember where i heard that about orange county that somebody was told like you they were like don't stand between tamra and vicky in a camera and i was like (gasps) I might have just made that that. up, allegedly, (laughs) allegedly. But I swear I heard it somewhere and I was like, actually, that sounds right. And I do feel like part of it was like that scene between Kyle where she went running out and Ken's yelling, you know, I think Lisa was really saying, you need to stand with me. And Kyle was saying, you need to say this so we can make this go away. Mm. Like we can't move on. It's like the conversation underneath. And I love that. It's my favorite thing about like late stage reality TV where we are now. I love the meta stuff, the stuff that's about the show, the making of the show. We're all so mature as viewers now that I actually really, really love all of that. I mean, it is also about bra- being a Bravo viewer is oftentimes about being a little bit bilingual. And I say this as someone who can barely speak English and took 1736 years of French. Uh-huh. Um, bonjour. Uh-huh. A nightmare. Two a, years a, of a Mandarin in college. And I have ni hao. Like, that's what I got. That's what I'm, I it's, in, it's actually I'm actually embarrassed and I need to do better about Duolingo. And every time I'm like. Duolingo, it's going to happen for us. Uh-huh. Okay, you feel super dumb while you're doing it. And also, I'm doing it for three seconds and I'm bored. So, yep. like, another day and then six months later. Yep. Anyway, when it comes to being a little bit bilingual, to me, it's like we're watching what's happening on screen. And then there is the idea of reading between the lines because, as has often been stated, at the heart of most Housewives arguments are arguments about the show itself. Yes. And it's watching that tension play out where maybe Lisa is like, when the cameras aren't rolling, here's exactly what the fucking problem is. But the other person that you're maybe most aligned with is trying to help you then translate that on TV. Yes. That is a very difficult, again, a difficult kind of path to navigate. Absolutely. Well, we've reached the point where there's only two kinds of truly successful reality stars anymore. Ones who absolutely understand everything about production and storytelling and character and who they are and the journey they're on. And then people who still have the ability to be absolutely authentically themselves because they can't not be themselves. 
Mm-hmm. Like, it's the people in the middle who last a season, two seasons, you know, whatever, that are a little uncomfortable or a little bit. You either have to be flawless, like Bethany, Lisa, or you have to be Sonia or Brandy Glanville or, you know, the people who it's like, I'm, I'm just doing whatever happens today um, mm-hmm. to really, really still be a huge star. And it's tough to last as long as some of these OGs have lasted or did last with the current landscape of reality TV, but specifically um, Housewives, which appears to be ever-changing. And what's always so interesting to me is, like, how different all of the universes are. Like, there's New York, which I... Yeah. I'm sorry. I truly could not care less about. It's, like, not interesting to me. Like, the Salem, I'm embarrassed for them, honestly. They are, well, like, as being, like, one of the truly, truly always successful shows, you know, this Mm -hmm. rough season, this rough chapter. Yeah. I'm having a different experience of it than other people because I'm enjoying a thing about the boring aspect intellectually. Mm. I'm very fascinated, obsessed with all of the seasons that were shot during lockdown. Um, Oh, yeah. I I totally get that. Because it has a huge impact on behaviors, and it's very interesting to see because, like, a lot, I, for me, a lot of people's frustrations with Leah have to do with, to me, the dual combo of d- her grandmother dying and her grandmother dying in lockdown and, like, being a mother with a kid in lockdown. I think mm. lots of us experienced personality changes in lockdown. And I'm very forgiving because in the middle of mine, I three months into the lockdown, I was having anxiety attacks that I hadn't had in years to the point where I had to turn off social media and the news and go find a new doctor and get a new prescription for anxiety medication Mm -hmm. just for like how all of it was impacting my actual mental health. And I've talked a lot about it because also like, it's good for us to share these things. You know, I got good pills, Mm -hmm. but it was like a three month process to like realize Mm -hmm. that I had lost 10 pounds. That is a very thin man. I don't have to lose. Um, and that I was having anxiety attacks at night and get medication and that work back up. So I'm very sort of forgiving of the extreme behaviors of people, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. during the lockdown era um and but i think it laid bare the problem of some of the ogs across the universe because like luann and ramona have nothing new to tell us about themselves so all we have as viewers is what they do in the world and when the world isn't functioning we're left with there's nothing new for you to tell us and ramona being like a vaguely racist trumper at times is not enough of a character trait to be like inspiring viewing. Though I will say she's going into real estate. Uh, Don't forget. <laughs> and in a regular season where like we're functioning and we're going to the Regency and things are happening and life is existing, that might pass as like the Melissa Gorga. Do I have a sister? I don't know about storyline, mm-hmm. you know, like a new hobby. Um, but in a season where we're dealing with really substantial stuff, both between right, Ebony's conversations about race, about the election, the grief that she and Leah are both experiencing about deaths in their family, Ramona sitting and deciding to do an interview in her own apartment while Ebony is in the other room is one of the great with her dog was one of the great moments of the year, mm-hmm. but not enough mm-hmm. to save her for me as like a truly innovative uh, archetype on the show anymore. So, people blaming Ebony are vaguely or overtly racist because the problem I think in the show is the staleness which Ebony as a brand new person cannot contribute to. 
Well, I think that people have the right to be able to critique any housewife, absolutely, Ebony included. Yes. And I don't <clears throat> think that, and I don't think that every person who doesn't like Ebony, I do not think that that means that they, there's any overt or subvert racism. Thank you I for do think, giving way. Yeah, Give me a space to, cut in. to clarify <laughs> it because. Part yes. of this also is the like having these conversations multiple times and doing it across Clubhouse. No, of no, course. I, yes, I want to make very clear the specific kind of people who are faulting only Ebony's discussion of race right. as the I reason the season yes. is boring. They, but there's some, saying the there's some stuff I don't there. come to for that. You know, it's like they sound like the people who say, why is Colin Kaepernick kneeling at football games? I just want this to be fun. We've dealt with various serious issues across yeah. the shows. So, yes, thank you. I want to be very clear. You can think sh she's pedantic and patronizing because I relate to Ebony because I have a preachy. I have a preachy <laughs> persona at times, as you can tell. Um, so I, I relate to that. But, yes, I want to be very clear. No, you don't have to like her to not be. I'm not saying that. Is that right? Did that and clarify? Also, yes. And also just to like maybe my own clarity of the clarification is like, I would say that there is a, a great amount of privilege in someone saying, I don't come to housewives yes. for this. So I think there's a lot there to navigate. I do think that putting the narrative of this season is boring, which I, I do has to be completely unrelated to Ebony's cast, the choice of Ebony, Ebony as a, new full-time member of the cast who is also the first black full-time Real Housewife on the New York franchise and also the conversations that she's been having and frankly sort of forced to have in response to really gross behavior by her castmates. Hi. I put that in a total different kind of conversation and, and would not nor should I critique it as a white person. I do have to say the cast itself is bad. I think it is boring <laughs> because the, the cast the is bad. I do not care about Ramona. Luann is now only and no longer cabaret. Yes. Like this is not good to me and it's because of these women. And that's what I was trying to get to was that like I think yeah. the greater fault is the lingering people with nothing new to tell mm -hmm. and it's demonstrative of the issues we are trying to all address together when the comment about what is the source of the boredom like lands in different places I think can be revealing about what we bring as viewers in our perspective also I do I just so relate to Ebony that like mm -hmm. ability to like sit and be like no I just want to share some things I was like, I have been told in my life that I have a tone that I was like, I am not your middle school student. You do not need to talk to me like a patronizing uh, person that I'm like, oh, that is a sound that I make sometimes when I want to share. Um, and I relate because I feel like the I have thought about and I the way that she puts together a series of thoughts that she wants to present is so impressive. And it also becomes this, and there's almost nothing to say back at the end because, you know, Ramona is not the one to go, well, actually, you know, <laughs> at the end of a fantastic Ted talk. Um, and I just relate and applaud and enjoy so thoroughly having that kind of personality in the universe. I also feel like sometimes when there's like a lot of tension or you're not sure, like if people are interested in, in paying attention Sometimes like I'll I'll be a little declarative yes. in how I'm communicating where I'm actually trying to de-escalate in advance. So I am trying to be as patient and respectful in my demeanor, in my manners I possibly can because I feel like something's about to happen. And people might mistake that for being like, oh, she's like trying to teach us. And it's like, yeah, well, may maybe that is 
the result is that you learn something you may not have learned before, but I'm doing it in what I think is the most absolutely neutral way possible. And when people weaponize that tone, yeah. that can be difficult too. Yes. It's like, but that was the point of why I was speaking so, this way. Well, and yet the end result is still happening. It goes all the way back to our earlier thing about I, I can't deal with yelling. So I think through what I have to mm. say in advance. And so like, I want to share this with you. And I've thought about what's the best way for me to deliver it, for you to receive it. And so, but at the end of that, you can go, wow, why are you teaching at me or preaching at me? I do just one more time do want to clarify because I hate across our larger issues. Well, you know, I think communication is so important that painting with a broad brush and the clobber words that we use need to be very carefully deployed. Mm -hmm. um, so I do want to apologize to anybody. I was not trying to say that you have to join me on Team Ebony as a concept <laughs> to not be racist. That's just as insane as the people's when we use those big words. So, I, and also I'm a, can't you tell in a, in an argument, I'm a like, wait, this is what I said. Is this what you received? You say something and I'm like, wait, this is what I understood. Is that what you meant? I'm a like, clarify, clarify, clarify person in life. I love that. I love that about you. And one of my favorite phrases that I say on Andy Scrolls is normalize, normalize changing your mind yes, based on new information. Absolutely. And some of the new information is like, wait a second, regardless of how you intended it, yes, this is how I heard absolutely. it. So let's just take a moment and clarify. Yes. Because we all say things in ways that might be heard differently from how we yes. uh, intend to mean them. Yes. The difficulty is people do not anymore like to listen. Yeah. And if they hear something that they find is, for whatever reason, upsetting or frustrating, regardless of the overall conversation and the objective, sometimes even that clarification, they're like, dunzo, we see it so much in the housewives yes. world where people are just trying to convince each other that they are wrong, that we no longer actually talk to each other. We're only and ever trying to win an argument that often only exists in one person's mind. And that doesn't help. Yes. You know, it does not help that the current atmosphere and environment in the Bravo community, and not to blame it all on Bravo, just generally online, it, yes. is so pointed it is. that talking about 1 to 2 to 3 to 7 to 15, it's like always on a 36, yeah. a number I have <laughs> never heard before at any part of my life. Um, spiritually mid-20s plus, thank you so much. But it there is that idea of it that doesn't help. We have not ever – we we seem to believe that giving someone the benefit of the doubt is the absolute worst thing that you can do. And that makes things especially complicated. Yes. Well, it's also, you know, in talking, it's like we watch the women on our shows do it. We do it in the fandom. We do it in our wider culture. We do it online in general. And there, and there's two causes, one that's really understandable and one that isn't. One, we all bring our perspective and experience and lived mm -hmm. experience to it. And there is a reason sometimes that people from particularly marginalized communities don't have the room to give the benefit of the doubt. You know, I, th 100%, I think totally agree. on the simplest level, women walking down the street and seeing a man approaching them, you know, that is a different, that is an experience I will never relate to. And if she makes the choice to move to the other side of the street, she can't give every man the benefit of the doubt. That's a different experience. Does that make sense? Did that follow? Like, and then we do it with marginalized people. And so sometimes as the white person, right, I can go, well, but what I meant was, and can't you understand, well, there's a reason that black person or that person of color doesn't have the space because other white people and historically are just doesn't have the emotional bandwidth. 
And then the other reason is people who want to win arguments just to win arguments. That is where it becomes frustrating. Because I hope there's room, and I try to, because of who I am as a white man, as a cis man, even though I'm gay, because I have more room to give grace, I try to do it as often as I can. To, to go, wait, mm-hmm. before I react, this is what I understood from that. Before I <laughs> launch into my reaction, mm-hmm. I want to be really clear that that's what you were trying to give to me in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and give people space to take small things back. You know, small mistakes back quickly. Completely. Yeah, I feel like and sometimes grace does feel like a privilege and might actually be one where it's like, yeah, okay, well, the entirety of your experiences are very different than mine. So I might not be in a position to be like, cool, cool, cool. Let's talk about this thing at length. And like you tell me your thoughts and feels. It might just be like I'm in spiritual triage and this is an emergency that I cannot take on because I have so much other shit of my own that I need to heal. Like there are other wounds here. I'm not going to try to help you diagnose and treat the one that you're here for, you know, like the reason that you are here. Like there's that. And then there is also the idea that like, okay, if you want to just assign someone as bad because of this one thing or because you disagree, and I'm not talking about anything having to do with any kind of like, uh, I'm talking more of like the almost superficial things, like the housewives of it all. I'm not talking about greater issues at this point, but there is the idea that if you do not agree with this person about this thing, or if they did not communicate it in a way that you would have, they are somehow wrong. If they have made an error, it's like the cap, it's the scarlet W and what we are doing now, I don't fuck with the cancel culture because I use. I think that's weaponized yes, by people that's become who just don't want to be held thing. accountable. Yes. It's a joke. Yeah. But there is the idea, the isolation around and weaponization. I think of mistakes has become in such a way that there is. Or just the inability to understand a different person's perspective or experience has become such a thing that you are either perfect. And sometimes that means dead quiet or you are bad. Yeah. And that is tough, especially when Housewives brings up a lot of different kinds of conversations for those of us who are cr- content creators in this community. Yeah. You know? Well, and also that like our goal is growth, right? As individuals, as communities, yes. as, as audiences, as a culture, as a um, as. And so I do. I think of all the mistakes I've made, you know, I was really fortunate mm-hmm. that a lot of them weren't online, young or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I moved overseas when I was 16. That had a huge impact on my perspective on religion and race. Being, you know, in a culture that was uh, incredibly divergent, living in Singapore, had a huge impact on all of that for me. Very different from my friends in suburban Texas. Coming out of the closet had a huge impact on that. But even as a gay mm-hmm. man, it was many, many years before I was at all educated or understanding on trans issues. You know, we're all mm-hmm. doing better. Um, and I'm grateful to the people who are forgiven the many mistakes I have made in my learning process. And so where there is room for me to, not on behalf of others, but for me to, uh, I try to help, like, let's all move a little bit further forward together. I love that. And speaking of moving forward together, (laughs) I want to pivot to something because I have something stuck in my craw that I saw a housewife of a certain Beverly Hills franchise (gasps) tweet. And I would like to get your thoughts on it because I think it's actually a bigger issue, a bigger conversation (laughs) about the the issue of plumbing the depths. 
<laughs> seven persons expensive to be her very expensive tweets but first i just need to shout out the fact that this episode is brought to you brought to me brought to all of us by the brand new show jeff lewis has issues you may know jeff lewis and don't we all from the hit bravo series flipping out or his Sirius XM radio show, Jeff Lewis Live. And now Jeff is bringing you and us a brand new podcast we think you'll love called Jeff Lewis Has Issues Sidebar. I've had such a bad fucking day. And the one thing that has brought me joy, I'm one of those people where it's like my safe space is callbacks to random moments yes, from Bravo shows. Appropriate. And nothing brings me more joy than the idea of like the Jeff Lewis team at like 4:35 on a Thursday doing their like cocktail time. Do you remember it was like yes. margaritas? Yes. Was it margaritas or martinis? Mm. It was margarita. It had to be a margarita. Yeah, I think it was a margarita. Right. I mean, I'm having an issue remembering the cocktail <laughs> that was involved, but it was such my safe space of like people screaming at each other. And then it was, you know, turtle time in Jeff Lewis yes. uh, land. So I just have to say that my issue is not having been invited to that <gasps> turtle time. Yes. RCP, and I would I would like to um, uh, be invited next time, Jeff Lewis, if you do one over Zoom. And anyway, re- whether it's drama with family and friends to parenting or relationships, there's no denying Jeff Lewis has issues. Jeff is joined each week by friends, experts, and celebs from Tamara Judge and Jackie Schimmel to Judge Lauren Lake, Patty Stanger, and others as they take a no-holds-barred deep dive into every detail of Jeff's life. Come for the laughs and leave feeling so much better about your own life. Check out Jeff Lewis has issues. You can subscribe now on Stitcher, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite pod. I love that so much because speaking of like icons of reality television, Jeff Lewis Mm. is a personality person and persona that no matter the circumstances, both just being who he is, but also like understanding making great television, like in any way, at any time, anywhere. Iconic. I want to say the season, was it the season one? Oh, I'm going to mess this up. The season one reunion when it was like a very special reunion with Andy, Jeff and Ryan. Was it season one or season two? Oh, it couldn't have been season one. It was season two, maybe season three. You guys, quality. I don't know if it's on Bravo TV. I don't know where you need to find it. Maybe this is, I don't, a fun adventure for you. But it's a, from what I recall, a fascinating, fascinating Uh, reunion. I'll have to go find it because I came weirdly. I arrived at the, like, modern Bravo era uh, Mm. at the reunion, New Jersey reunion of the table flip. Like, that was my... Wow, entree. what a time. That was, what a time to be alive. Well, as I, I said, I'm, I was trying to be an actress, so I was resistant to, like, <laughs> lifestyle reality television because I was like, they're taking jobs away from actors that are actually trained with talents to, like, say lines on television, and they're just letting people be their moronic selves and be the... Uh, uh, that's not a thing. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm in. I'm sold. Uh, I get it. Um, I'm here. Not, not to pivot, but speaking of someone commenting on jobs possibly jobs having to do with Bravo. I am fascinated by a tweet that was sent last night by America's sweetheart, our own little bank of America, Erica Jane, Erica Girardi, Erica whatever, Erica made a name probably soon. 
who said something. Listen, I'm not on Twitter. I see it because usually three days later, someone posts yes. on Instagram stories. Yes. And then I send it to someone. I'm like, oh, my God, did you see this thing that happened like seven days ago? And they're like, yeah, it's done. There's 7,000 more chapters since, since I know. But Erica Jane, and I do believe that it is, in fact, Erica herself, because truly nobody would advise someone to say the things <laughs> in the ways that she has. Erica has has posted a lot to Twitter. I don't know if you've seen this tweet. I'm literally reading it on her Twitter, whatever you call it, timeline. And she put out a tweet 21 hours ago. That's it. I'm ready. Can, can all the quote-unquote lawyers on here commenting – Please do something productive, like bill your clients. This reality TV shit is beneath you. Thanks with a heart. What? Let's let's. Can we just? Okay. I have, can we just? Can we? I have so yeah. many questions. Yep. yep, I have so many questions. I'm gonna start First at the off, end yep. and work backwards. Because yep. like, okay, start at the end. This, start at the end. This reality shit is beneath you. This is your job. This is your job. This is what you do. This is this is what you do. This is your job. This reality shit, like insulting what you do for a living in order to insult the people who are using what you are a part of and what has happened to you and what you are also doing as a result of it to comment on it for their own professional lives. But I, ma'am. Um, I don't think it's a great idea for Erica to reference billing clients <sighs> for lawyers right now. And I don't think it's a great idea for Erica to give legal advice, regardless of if the legal advice is like lawyers be more lawyerly or something, because isn't she supposed to be the person that doesn't know anything about how any of that works? <laughs> so the idea of her being like a guidance counselor about lawyer about <laughs> HR right now is such a wild ass take that I feel like I have been giving so much empathy to her and even like trying to listen to what she is saying on camera and then talking about it plus the other stuff and then she does shit like this and i'm like you are so out you you are only ego now and regardless of whether or not this is that's a defense mechanism or whatever else tweeting something like that is so fucking frustrating to read because she's so high on her own supply and she fucking bought that supply with the money of dead people That's... who deserved to have their families taken care of because the money was theirs, not yours. Who's paying for the internet right. so that she can do this? Right, stuff? the cell phone bill. The uh and also I mean it is definitive proof that the team is not helping, right? Because like <laughs> Like Mikey, we are, Mikey, what's up? we are not paying check as clear. anyone Mikey's else check as clear. to check the drafts in advance. Mm-hmm. So like maybe we are actually budgeting since we learned like what money is and how much it costs to heat a pool and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, definitely relatable, sympathetic problems. The, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so fascinating. You know, the, the bigger, wider, I'm not doing well. I'll be really honest with keeping track of like, where we are on the show versus where we were in real time and what was Same. being released. It's, it's so much. So I'm so much. I'm keeping my general responses right now to like where we are on the show because I haven't followed mm-hmm. every legal brief. I do have Smart. I do have other jobs that make me do things for them. So I'm careful in how <laughs> presumptive I am about what she did and didn't know when or where mm-hmm. as as we're going along. But the big piece right now is the like I don't know how you don't go. Everything I have, whether I knew or not is a result of these people not having their things 
you know, that's the piece that would stick for me personally. Like even the money I have to pay for the apartment and the house that I'm renting, whether I knew it or not, came from these, you know, should be with these other people. Like that's the part that I feel like has to be the, the core of it for me. I wonder if Erica has seen Ozark because, spoiler alert, it's not really a spoiler at all. It's just about, like, money laundering yeah. in the Ozarks or whatever. Yeah. And shout out to the Ozarks, by the way. And I watched it all in, in the early pandemic. Like, I sat there in right? the dark blue with Jason and Laura and was like, this, yes, this is where we are. It's a, lo- it's a lot, but it's like, and Jason and Laura are both great. And it's, it's absolutely, I would say, absolutely worth a, um, worth a watch. And then you should watch the show. I just forgot the fucking name of it, but that Jason Bateman directed and was also on, on HBO. And you guys are going to remind me, it's called like, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to look it up because someone is going to. Is it with uh, Matt Bomer or Ryan Phillippe or one of them? The Outsider. Watch The Outsider, which is better than anything that you will watch forever, maybe, and you're going to love it. But anyway, so when it comes to the money laundering of it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong because I'm new to like high level whatever, but it's the idea that you are washing money, right? So it's like you're bringing in bad money and you're washing it through some like business or whatever so that it can be clean and you know so fresh and so clean clean and then you can use it for other purposes yes right is that money laundering money laundering is i've watched three seasons it's essentially you made money illegally selling drugs whatever whatever the thing is so you Mm -hmm. then you have the money but you want to get it into your legal reportable income stream so that you can mm-hmm. have evidence of it then you can use it to buy things so the irs won't see like how'd you buy a mansion but you only made thirty thousand mm-hmm. dollars last year so lots of cash only businesses are used to cook the books and they don't make much money but they're shown to have made a lot more money and then you like put mm-hmm. the money into the bank through that business so now it's essentially clean and you can spend it and use it and report that as income from that business that's why like laundromats and car washes yes. and things and I'm not saying that anyone literally did this when it comes to the Girardi of it all, but it is the idea that there was bad money, money that wasn't yours, and then money that was possibly made lawfully, but it's all combined together. So there is no idea in my head, as someone who is, unlike Erica, well-versed in the ideas of law, but there is the idea in my head that like you don't really know now because we do know that Tom stole millions and millions of dollars that he spent on his lifestyle, among other things, you don't really know where that panther ring came from. And you don't really know, was it a gift from Tom? Was it a gift from an orphan who didn't actually know that their money was being used at Cartier? But God bless. You don't actually know that information And even though we haven't yet really gotten to that point on Beverly Hills, and even though confessionals, one can argue, don't necessarily need to pull from or really can't pull from events that have happened well after filming of these scenes because it's supposed to exist as a reflection of what's going on in that time, even if you have a wink and a nod. I understand the ways that she may not have had the wake-up call that we have had and we have the benefit of being outsiders 
but in real time on social to reference billing clients understanding the reasons that people are saying shit to you is so bass backwards and I'm seven and a half years old that's one of my favorite places. I love it I don't know how to help you not that that's even my goal but how why why would you do something like that why would you put that into the world believing you are fully right yeah well, it's like I got to a point where I just stopped tweeting because like it's terrifying mm. and and for the things we've talked about about like how many different ways could this be taken and I just think it's oh, yeah. I'm doing I, a silly I thing my and I got I got yeah. to the like overthinking everything to the point where like how mm-hmm. why did I spend six hours on a 280 characters of all the ways that this like dumb joke I want to make might be perceived but totally. but so to then see someone go you just had that thought and just went da 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 and shot it out going you know wherever this all lands with you not needing to or having the awareness to perceive how that could be received is a fascinating level of privilege to like not have to worry about i guess or to have chosen not to worry about i just need to read it one more time please do but the dramatic readings are my favorite part (laughs) commit can all (laughs) amen can all the quote unquote lawyers on here commenting, please do something productive like bill your clients. This reality TV shit is beneath you. Thanks, double heart, making poor use of one of my favorite emoji. I just have to say once again, like I get that maybe many of the thousands of thousands of tweets she's getting reference Beverly Hills. But I think people are less upset about her behavior on Beverly Hills and more upset about her behavior as a response to the millions and millions of dollars that was stolen from victims. And this is so disrespectful to those people who deserve at a bare minimum an acknowledgement that what was taken from them is not a joke and to compare the theft of millions of millions of dollars into this trash bubble of reality tv shit again quote unquote is so wildly wrong to me and i'm not erica i'm not a real housewife so like i I don't i don't know like i'm i would be too anxious to think this let alone tweet it god yes well like i'm sure i I don't know i'm sure your mentions are a dumpster fire of like things Mm -hmm. um but the awareness of like the broader because i am not presuming at this point what legal advice she's been given about what she can Mm -hmm. can't say should shouldn't say related to every aspect i totally Mm -hmm. relate and understand people who are like you should have said the first day I can't imagine that this was done to these victims. I don't know what legal things are involved. But the flip side then is, right, if you know or have been advised not to say anything that would make people relate to how we all feel about those people and what they deserve, uh, then you have to look at what you do say in lieu of that, right? Because every post, every photo, everything for a lot of people is, well, this isn't you saying I sympathize with the victims, whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's like, if you can't or shouldn't, then everything else you post says something as well, whether you intend it to or not. Yeah, it's the idea that it's the intention. And I think what a lot of people 
regardless of how you feel about Erica and what you assume about her or theorize about her, it's the refusal to acknowledge the actual victims here. And she does herself a disservice as someone who has seemingly been victimized by Tom. She is also... There are ways to look through that lens while keeping the center focus on the victims in real time, noting the show will primarily be about her story. It's the Real Housewives, after all. She really makes it very challenging to afford our word of the night a little bit of grace when she goes out of her way to be... Like, I hate to say it, but like so nasty and so rude in the words of Lenithia Leak. Yes. Shout out Nini, miss you. Posted about you three times. Come on back. Like I please or something or just like, I hope you I hope you well. I wish you well. But with Erica, I just and I understand like she's getting death threats. She's getting serious and crazy things and people calling her every word in the book. And I get that. And I get that it I, I understand how frustrating and upsetting it can be to maybe feel like you cannot defend yourself legally as best you would like to, but it's the snide. um, It is the snide calculating. Well, it's like you're dismissive and it, then it seems uncaring. I think that's why it's triggering for me because it feels like she is really dismissing a critique that has been leveled her way thousands and thousands of times like many people have been like hashtag widows and orphans at this point it's it's actually ridiculous and yet she continues this narrative online this persona that just feels so deeply broken it's just not good well and not following all of it like daily has she done any version of there are things I can't say or comment on that I would really like to and will be able to at some point in the future. You know, has she even done a version that's like, I would like to talk about that, but I've been advised not to kind of thing? I want to say 100%. I feel like I saw something recently. Oh, my God. Her 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 replies are a lot. Yeah. This is a lot. They- but um, I'm looking on her Twitter right now several tweets about it's also the weird modern monster of social media right because there's an element of like in this situation i'd be like i need to close my life to my like inner circle and intimate circle to deal with this thing but this is your life and your livelihood and if you're not going to get any money from this man who owes all his money to all of these people that he defrauded and robbed uh then you'd have to keep doing it because it's going to be your livelihood going forward i don't know if there's some mental math happening that is not arriving at the right (sighs) result i mean there was a tweet she sent out the other day critiquing where ronald richards did i say that name ronald richards went to college and i take i have a lot of issue with the ways that they are both interacting on social but like her tweet i guess in in reference to where he went to law school is tom sat on the board of laverne law school what's your point he said it was fourth rate at best complained about how far it was from la etc if we are using the opinions of Tom Girardi in any way as a defense regarding legal <laughs> education and the merits of a proper law school right. in which to practice successfully, 
how do we not understand that the 20 plus years of saying my husband is a lawyer and you know who he is so give my response the weight i assume you understand it deserves no longer works right well also and like if the whole point is you're distancing and separating yourself from this man his actions and behavior he should not be the bullets loaded in your metaphorical gun and yet it's a it's big tom energy also Honestly, just like a, it's big tom energy education elitism like is exhausting anyway like that kind of crap when we see it lots of places like well you went to shut up i hate that yeah, I just think again, not to say it <laughs> but, for an a hundred times, but, but do millions please do, please of, do millions uh -huh. of dollars uh -huh. from widows and yes. burn victims, yes. millions and just like lied, millions, like took this, the most vulnerable people, took this man under your wing and then kept his money, like all, like yeah, I mean the depravity in in the details. Um. How, how are you watching the Erica uh, of it all when it comes to the car accident and the narrative that my husband was stripping somebody 25 years ago and we're going to see it on a Nokia any day? Like, how are how are you processing that? It's very funny. Well, because, like, to lighten slightly for a moment, the irony of, like, the, the, the struggle of Roni this year and the renaissance of, that is Beverly Hills this year, uh, which mm. back to the Lisa Vanderpump, her leaving the show gave everyone else room to breathe. Uh, totally. Like it let you see people breathe more deeply, relax, like the humor. I mean, the introduction Soften. of Kathy Hilton as the like Beverly Hills, Grey Gardens. I like I want a picture book about a dog named Sue. <laughs> like I have so many like the joy. <laughs> like it's it's amazing and frustrating that it took this long for this level of eccentricity to arrive in Beverly Hills. She's mm. the kind of eccentric that's like where you've had too much money for too long. You know, you roll out of bed whenever, like, you share random thoughts. Like, you know, you exist on a different plane, and it is a beauty to behold and a joy to my soul. Um, <laughs> the, like, ga uh, the birthday party uh, mm. and Crystal and Sutton. I mean, all all of the cast members firing on all cylinders at that party mm. from Dorit, like, checking her makeup and her phone oh while Sutton is praying Bravo. to Jesus with the vodka to the smirk on Crystal's <laughs> face as Sutton ran away to like Kathy being like, Lisa, it's your house. Go get him back. Like just the joy that is Beverly Hills. First off mm -hmm. all like love the greatest. And for the first time ever, like moving through plot faster, you know, mm -hmm. that's always been my thing is like Atlanta tells four stories a week and you know, Beverly Hills tells one story a season. So mm -hmm. just loving everything about it. I was very following Erica's emotional journey through the pieces until the dinner of my husband fell down a mountain. Then he called me. Then it was like up behind the hill. And also I caught him having an affair. And here were the screen caps, which we all saw online were from a really old phone. Like I was following the revelations of Erica's personal journey and how she was relaying it to the women and to us until that night, which felt like I came prepared to tell these stories. And then I did not quite follow all of them. I don't understand the car accident. Mm -hmm. um, like, and I get that it was someone else's accident, but like, there's a way you tell a story that you've told multiple times. And I was like, I don't feel like you've told this story well enough before. And so it's, I maybe don't doubt whatever, but I don't understand the physics of like, were you home? And then he missed the house and then got out and fell and was unconscious for 12 hours at the bottom of the hill. 
Did you find him? Then did he call you? I, I did not process the accident. Did you? I did not. I couldn't see it. I didn't understand. I, I was confused about the idea that he got separated from the car and lost consciousness, but was able to call her right. 12 hours later. Right. There were aspects of it where I was like, I actually do need clarity. And I think we will get that maybe during the someone reunion. Someone else will ask. Unless, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And maybe Andy, but who even knows? Um, generally, I believe that something happened. Definitely. And I believe yes. that it was much worse than and I think the that's ways the big that piece. she discussed it. Yeah, and that's I, the big piece. And I thought that yeah. was really informative about her and her relationship and also being a housewife. Because the juxtaposition of like, this is what really happened. And this is what I decided I was comfortable sharing on the show at the time. Because I think Mm -hmm. all of the women navigate that much more than we're always aware of. Of like, this off-camera thing, I'm going to share it this way and then move on. And seeing that, I really empathized with the like, a really big thing happened with my husband that was really terrifying, but he won't want me to talk about it. And it's weird and it wasn't on the show and that feels like an overshare. And seeing her communicate that also gave insight into the like, how we talk about relationships. When we're having problems, we're not ready to share with the world. That that's all very authentic and revelatory uh, that I think was insightful into her state of mind through the past couple of years. Yeah, and it also shows how potentially controlling he was Uh in that moment of like, you're not going to tell a single fucking person because I must keep my law license as long as humanly possible. And if we throw that into the mix, maybe something else will happen. And I think about that in the sense of like thieves be thieving and he doesn't want to, he can't walk away from this. He knows he's dug himself a little hole and maybe he wants to make it a little bit deeper. But like, it does make me uncomfortable that this is a person that she is now telling us for the first time is someone who is not in full control of his faculties and also had a very serious car accident, which led to some sort of, head trump not i don't want to use the word the phrasing incorrectly but some sort of like head something or other some kind of injury something that necessitated being unconscious for 12 hours and then who knows what happened when he woke up but like i do want I, i don't know i i there is this unfortunate world and environment where people who have careers that take someone's lives in their hands if you are a doctor a health professional in that way a specialist a a lawyer where people are truly depending on your skill set which you are responsible for presenting and delivering for their lives and you maybe know that you're not up to snuff but for whatever reason you're like hiding stuff because you don't or can't or refuse to stop working that just as a thing makes me super uncomfortable. Totally. And also weird and scary about real life and people, you know, and also watching someone change before your eyes. And then the element of like, is this a today thing? Is this a, you know, are you having a bad day? I think about like my own grandmother and her journey with Alzheimer's and those kind of things. And early on when it's like, oh, are you just forgetful for a while? And I, uh, oh, maybe I'm being overly reactive to something that's not a big deal if you're in a relationship with someone that's controlling going through that and you ask a question and you get someone snap back at you oh maybe i'm not or maybe it's not what i think you know the all of those negotiations that you would deal with yeah and it's such a power imbalance Mm -hmm. that if she truly even though she was somehow 
you know, getting a salary or payments from the law firm right. as an employee of some sort. Um, as she is now saying she had nothing to do with the law firm in any way, yada, yada. So if her husband, Mr. High Powered Attorney, who has told her, my house is my house, not yours, you are staying here for now. But if you ever try to leave, just remember that you came from nothing and this is all mine. Yeah. Uh, which seems to be coming true right now, um, except for it actually being Tom's. But if that person is like, I'm fine, and you will not breathe another word right. of anything else, yeah. otherwise there's going to be a problem, I get that too. Yeah. I think it's just really complicated. Yeah. And all of the all of those things that contribute to the the compromises and negotiations you make on a daily basis, you know, that that we all don't have examined in the way they're getting examined right now. Because of his actions related to it, you know, the the microscopic uh, inspection of every decision uh, and presumption uh, or lack of information that because of the damage he has done to so many other people. Yeah, we have the benefit of being able to experience terrible things that happen that maybe we are in some way responsible for or maybe we aren't. And we have the benefit of our lives for several years prior having not been been a part of reality <laughs> uh, yes. TV. Yes. You know, there is a benefit to a certain kind of privacy regardless of how much you're online. Oh, totally. You know? We have it. Yes. They don't. Yes. Well, because like as much as we feel like we know people online and whatever – the thing that the thing that people also don't I would be a terrible reality star. You could not get an hour's worth of good content out of a week of my life. You could not. Mm. You get eleven minutes maybe, maybe, in a good week. You know, if everybody's like, Oh, I'd make great TV. Making great television is hard. It takes a certain kind of person personality. It takes a willingness to be like fearless and bold. And then it takes a willingness to accept then the entire world having thoughts about the slices of it that get assembled in a certain way, um, to, as if it reflects like every aspect as well. Uh, it is it is big and bold to do. I, back to Jessica Simpson and Nicholas Shea, I always think like mm. that is so much your willingness to like to open your life to that kind of, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't. I mean, raise your tins of, you know, is it chicken or is it fish? Right. Like, like raise your tins to the people who, who helped create this, where I just think about like the beginning of our conversation where we're talking about the Bethany and Carol and what, what is your instinct and what is, you know, how does that impact your response? And it's like, I don't know what my instincts would be like when it comes to having or feeling like you need to participate and elevate certain responses or behaviors and knowing that hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people are going to watch and critique it. Have you thought about it? Like how you would be on one of these shows? I, after years and years of like, I think I am aware that I would seem like a non-entity for so long. Like, you know, Housewives different because my interviews would be better than my like participation in scenes. Like, let's be <laughs> honest, like the my commentary would be better than my engagement. Uh, but like Survivor, Big Brother, all of those, I would seem like I wasn't on the show because I will just walk away while y'all do whatever that is. I don't need to. Nope. I don't need to. I don't know. Uh, until the day where I like had had enough. And then you would get like a nine minute monologue that they could edit mm. for me to be like the biggest villain. You know, like I'd be like, and then seven weeks ago, you said this thing. And I want to talk about that as well. And then this thing. And that time in the kitchen, when you were talking to this, like it would all diarrhea of the mouth out at one time. And they would be like, who is this person? Have they been on this show? 
I mean, it's such an interesting question. Like, I don't actually know how I w- I have an idea in my head that it would be some sort of like amalgamation of maybe Bethany and Carol and genuinely maybe some Shannon in there. Yeah. Like, I could see having some unsettling experiences where I to record with even the Kelly Dodd of yesteryear. Yeah. Like, I don't think that would go well like, for either of us like, if I was because I would lose my fucking mind. Yeah. Like it would be it would be t- it would be it would be something. Yeah. I think it would be definitely watchable TV. Absolutely. I just don't think it would do me any favors. Now, would you ever have the Shannon like running out of the scene? Because that's one of my favorite Shannon Bedore things in the whole world. Oh, like, I 100 percent running would. from a scene. Like, that woman has my heart for that. Like, I know this is my job, but nope. I am out. I am running. I am off. Oh, I will always stand for Shan. Like, Shannon Bedore is a little bit of my touchstone, and I don't mean that as a compliment to either of us, myself or Shannon. But there are aspects of myself that I have seen and and maybe honestly still continue to see in different ways. But since starting therapy and psychiatry <laughs> a couple years ago, I do think that I have shifted into more of like a Heather Gay and I'm trying to be Meredith Marks, but it's very tough for me to disengage. And sometimes I'll remember to disengage eight months after telling sure. them yes. like in very calm tones, the ways that I will disembowel them with words yes. like I don't. When I speak to someone, I I literally have had five or six conversations today where I truly, because of uh, uh, unemployment, some fuckery and some medical stuff, and it was all other people's fault where I was like, I just want to make sure we're on the same page here, that this is how I'm going to level you off of this earth. And it's like, I don't need to do an, I would never be the Kelly Dodd I don't think I do think that I would respond maybe like Shannon like crumbling into myself and being so upset that I just start to cry that it like I'm a little candy-ish to be honest yes. in that way where when she gets really upset she just starts crying yep. or not when she gets really mad yes. she she cries as a part of it yes. that, that that communication is a little bit at my core yeah it's tough I also feel like big success in reality is do you see yourself correctly and by that I mean you know none of us mm. none of us are perfect right but, it, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but at the amount of navel gazing I have done through the years, I'm aware of the things that I'm working, that I have worked on and succeeded, mm-hmm. the things I'm still working on. I'm also aware of the flaws that are not changing, that if you're in my life, you have to accept them. But it works mm-hmm. because you can say you're doing that thing and I know what it is. Do you know what I mean? It's, to me, I can always work through with someone who knows their stuff. It's people who mm-hmm. aren't aware of the thing they do or the flaws that, that, that it's like, I don't know how to cr- communicate across that bridge. Cause I want to say you're doing that thing. And they're like, I don't do that. But yeah, you do. And it's okay. But like, we have to get through it. I totally hear you. And I also feel like for a lot of people, it's the, it's the defensive um, instinct of like the, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So it's definitely on you, not me. And then there's the moment that follows of like, wait a second, that thing that they said about me being like a complete douche. Like maybe there is because I told them because this and this thing, they're a douche or something. Yeah. Like there's ways that like you can reflect on your behavior and maybe you circle back, but that's all accountability at the end of the day. Like I can't expect someone to behave at their worst better than I would at mine. <laughs> right. But if we're not willing to meet each other in some way, 
and take responsibility in some way, yes. then I don't know if that's a path I can travel down With you. if I get the choice. Yeah. Well, and my greatest lesson of reality, really, was the 48 hours we did at Below Deck, like, gave me such insight into actual lifestyle reality television. Because I was like, oh, this is how those shows get shot. Because the people's couch was mm. just two cameras by the television and, like, sit down and talk. But being on the yacht, like, while they shot Below Deck, and seeing how unobtrusive the cameras were, like, how much they did sort of disappear. Because wow. I expected the, the, the shots we see, right, where, like, the camera's really close. But there was a lot of, like, y'all are at the mm. dinner table, and they have taken up spots really far away with a zoom lens. And it is more possible to forget it's happening than I would have thought. Because I definitely thought, I will always be aware. I will always think before I speak. I mean, I did do that. You did not get an unfiltered thought for me. Like, I'm not willing to hand that to anybody. I'm just not. Uh, but I did mm -hmm. forget. and Like, I was able to still relax because there wasn't the feeling of like, oh, they're right there. That is so fascinating. And I wonder, I mean, it's obviously a choice. I would assume it's because these bajillionaires who are still, who are getting a significant discount, but it's still tens of thousands of dollars to charter the discounted chartered yacht in exchange for being on reality TV. I'm sure you want to ensure that those people still have a good experience because after the cameras go down, if that ever happens, they are still on a yacht and, and want to feel like they are the ones who are the stars, not the people whose stories are being told every week. Yes. But it does also have the benefit of making sure that those people who are may who may or may not have experience in being on TV yes. feel like they're not. Yes. And the people who are working and underslapped and under eaten and overdrank, like those people doesn't hurt if they don't feel like they're being recorded. Yep. And let's just see what happens. Big brother on a boat. And I mean, it's a lot. At your beck and call with alcohol, because I will say nothing about the five star yacht experience was sacrificed for the TV show. It was jaw dropping, like service and attention. Oh it was exquisite. I mean, we had such a highlight, you know, with Kate and Ben. And like it was I was obviously just wow. giddy the entire time. But like the actual service experience and the yacht experience was flawless there was one night where it was like late and they were like can y'all not go in there because they were like shooting a scene between like cast members in a main salon and we were like that's fine we'll just watch what's happening it's like that's just as exciting to me so i don't care can i please tell you how exciting this episode has been to record you are such a delight we didn't even scratch the surface of potomac i know i love like please know that like anytime any reason if anybody drops out like i'm a i am a <laughs> i enjoy i have enjoy getting to know you personally this year in the clubhouse like and knowing more about mm -hmm. you but i'm such a huge mm -hmm. fan of like what you do how you do it here i love the balance you do of like the small nonsense that we love and the real stuff that matters like i think that you find a sweet spot that i think is the greatest thing we enjoy as viewers about all of this and it's such a joy to be here to share with you and i hope everybody understood what i meant earlier i'm gonna apologize yes i i know that people i first off thank you so much i am very confident ags are truly like the very top of the top as far as having difficult conversations understanding the process that it it, it often takes me just to like fucking navigate whatever the hell i'm gonna say at any given point plus words are difficult so i'm sure that that has been 
fully understood um certainly my hope and i also think um let's just pretend that uh the potomac of it all is uh me uh holding a little something hostage so that i can get yes you back it on gives me a reason ASAP. to come back as soon as possible please <laughs> Oh my God. Great. See you tomorrow. Um, listen, can you please tell the folks how to follow you? We've talked about your movies. We've talked about your projects, Emerson Collins. Tell the people where they can go to learn more. Um, my website, Emerson Collins has all of the stuff that is in my other life. I do actually produce movies and that I'm really proud of. One was about mm. domestic violence. One was about religion and sexuality and one was about marriage equality. So I live my life talking this stuff in art. Uh, find me on Instagram at Emerson Collins on Twitter at actually Emerson um, and share your thoughts. I enjoy this very much. Amazing. And guys, listen, the Andes Girls Patreon Summer Zoom Winter Charm is going to be Sunday, August 8th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard. Join yours truly, that be me. And more importantly, your fellow AGs for an hour long Zoom, which always goes over because I have so much fucking fun and we shoot the shit. You get to ask me whatever you want, and it's just a chance to honestly come together as a as a fun AG community. I've done it several times so far during COVID, and it has been nothing but a blast. Um, and so that Zoom event on Sunday, August 8th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard is exclusive to Patreon supporters at the OG of the AG and people's people's couch levels on Patreon. Do you like that? Uh, my favorite. Um, <laughs> make sure to join or level up at patreon.com slash andy's girls number one way to support the pod aside from subscribing and rating the show five stars on apple Podcasts, and you can uh follow me on social on instagram at dame galley if you'd like to see my shoes and uh do some housewife polls and i uh hop on a instagram live now and again to um talk to y'all so guys First off, Emerson Collins, thank you so much again. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Guys, hope you are staying safe, staying sane, getting vaccinated if you can, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.